at the uh, opening of the year here. We'll do this uh, today. Uh, the title of today's message, uh, 2021, How to Disagree Agreeably. And uh, so it's something that uh, you can't agree with that. Gee, thanks. I, I miss you, Greg. I really do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, there you go. Always one in the crowd, isn't it? Tough crowd, tough crowd, tough crowd, you know. Uh, no respect, no respect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, how do you go after that, you know? As we begin to kind of introduce the year and think about 2021, we'll, we're going to shift gears next week. And then with the State of the Assembly coming, and then in February, we're going to start a whole new uh, subject matter uh, in the book of Ephesians and, and looking at some grace life things and so forth. But this, this morning, I, I want to just talk about something here uh, that really you kind of read about here in Acts 15. It really gets read over in Acts 15. Acts 15 is a, is a great book here, a, a great chapter. Uh, Paul and them have been, uh, P- Paul and Barnabas, has, uh, they've uh, been out doing the work of the ministry in chapters 13, 14, and in 15 they run up against some religious zealots. Uh, who, if you look there at verse 1, he says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. See, they're, so they're teaching a, a law gospel. You've got to work to get saved. See, then they come over uh, a, a little later and they'll, they're going to say to Paul, you got to, and, and we read this in Galatians 2, basically you, you got to work to stay saved. So you got to follow Moses to get saved and then you got to follow Moses to stay saved. So Paul and Barnabas, Galatians 2 says by revelation, Paul goes up and they go to, they travel to Jerusalem and they have a meeting with Peter and James and John and the, and the elders and the leadership and that uh, church there at Jerusalem. And uh, they, they're going to sit and they're going to have a discussion about what's, real, what's going on. And the conclusion of it was Peter and James giving Paul and Barnabas a right hand of fellowship that they would continue in the ministry given to them by God. And then they would turn and go to and deal with the little flock, the believing remnant. And, and then Peter and James and the leadership there and, the, and really the rest down to verse 35. That's where we need to be, 1535 now. They send with Paul some letters and a group of people to now go travel with Paul on, uh, with the sole purpose. You know, it's interesting. Groups traveled with Paul for reasons. Um, if you just back up verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barzabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. So these guys choose to send these two gentlemen specifically. Because you read about Paul, you're going to read here in a minute about Paul and Silas going. Well, who is Silas? He's a chief, me- chief member of the brethren, of the, of the little flock there. Okay, so... But they're going to do something, verse 23. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. So they're going to send a group of men and letters written, verse 24. Uh, By the way, just read 23. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and, and Cilicia. That's a great territory that Paul's already been through preaching his gospel and his message. 
Verse 22 or verse 24, for as much as we have heard that certain which, which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law. There it is, see? Circumcised to get saved, keep the law to stay saved. To whom we gave notice, no such commandment. In other words, Peter said, these guys are going out. We didn't give them the go-ahead. They're just out there doing it on their own. So we want these guys, so Silas and Barzabas um, uh, and the letters are going to travel with Paul and Barnabas, and they're going to be a testimony of the events of this meeting that are going to say now to the Jewish hordes out there, that Peter and these guys have given the right hand of fellowship and that what Paul is doing is good to go. You follow me? You're with me? So they have a great meeting, a great time. Verse 35. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Paul and Barnabas, they go back to Antioch. They were in Jerusalem. Now they're back in Antioch, okay? They, again, they've had great time in Jerusalem. They had good meetings. Luke, Luke is the recorder here in Acts 15. He is sitting in the audience as you are watching the proceedings. Galatians 2, Paul takes you behind the closed doors. And he says, here's what happened behind closed doors. Okay, you understand that, Galatians 2? Hold on here. Look at Galatians two, just real quick. I need you to understand this, because of what's going to. Because Luke is going to give an account here now. Look at uh, at Galatians two, verse one. Then fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. So who went with him? Barnabas and Titus. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. But notice, privately. To them which are of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. The only way you know what was said behind closed doors is you got Galatians 2. Okay? Why? Because privately we did this. Now go back to Acts 15. Publicly, Paul, Luke is not involved in these discussions. He's sitting out there. Verse 35, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others. Luke has joined Paul's uh, group. So you've got Paul, Barnabas, Luke, Titus, you've got Silas, you've got Barzabas, you've got other guys that are, that are coming. Verse 36, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Notice how, what Paul says to Barnabas. He says, let's go back over the cities. Let's do what we did in Acts 14. Let's go do this again and visit everybody and make sure everybody's good to go. How are you doing? They didn't have internet. They didn't have Gmail or Yahoo or AOL. Any of you guys still have AOL accounts? I'm the only one, huh? I do. Okay, I do. It's, okay, I do, but it's there. It still lets me in. I don't know. And I still get junk mail, so it's got to be going good, right? So they didn't have any of that. They didn't have a phone. They didn't have FaceTime or Skype or any of that. So he goes, he's going to travel. And Barnabas, verse 37, determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. What does Barnabas do? He says, you know what, yeah, let's, that's a great idea, Paul. Let's go, but I'm going to take, let's, can we take John Mark with us? I'd like to take John Mark. 
But Paul thought it thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Now notice what Paul says. Barnabas says, let's take John Mark. Paul says, no way, man, the guy's a quitter. The guy doesn't, he, doesn't, he can't stay the course. He, he, come back to chapter 13. Where they're at in Pamphylia, chapter 13. See, Paul looks over there at, at John Mark and he says, no, we can't do that. We're not going to take him. He's a quitter. He doesn't see the job to the end. He's been a hindrance to the ministry. And so, no. And you go, what in the world? Verse 13, verse 5. Uh, well, v- verse 1, they're, gonna, they're in Antioch. They're sent out. Verse 5. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their ministry. There's John Mark. They add him. He joins them. Verse 6, And when they had gone through the isle of of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, and he has this great thing with Elimaeus the the sorcerer. Verse 12, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. You see, Paul's first miracle is the blinding of a Jew and the unblinding of a Gentile. What's his job? What is his apostleship? Blindness is happening to the Jews, and the light is coming to the Gentiles. Every time you see a miracle, the first miracle done by anybody, it's a dispensational picture of what's going to happen in their ministry. When the Lord's first miracle, the changing of the wine at the water at the marriage of Cana, that is a picture of him bringing in the blessings of the kingdom that's to come. And what does he do for Israel? Sets that stage to do that. Get rid of the old, we want the new wine, the good stuff. Peter's first um, miracle in Acts. You know what it is? It's that temple, the thing there with the leper outside him and John, and they heal him, and he goes in. And uh, Acts 2, I think it's Acts 2. No, Acts 3, I'm sorry, Acts 3. What is that a picture of? What is Peter a picture of? The little flock bringing the nation of Israel into the kingdom. Paul, the blinding of the Jew and the Opening of the eyes of the Gentile. You can do this all day long. Come down now to verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. What did John Mark do? He said, enough of this nonsense, and he hooked it home, went back home. So when you come over to chapter 15, here's Barnabas, and what does Barnabas say? Wait a minute, let's take John Mark with us. Paul says, no, he ain't no good. Barnabas says, let's give him a second chance. Let's, let, Barnabas was a second chance guy. Barnabas is the guy in Acts 9 that goes to Peter and says, you've got to talk to this Saul of Tarsus guy. Peter says, no way, man. He's my persecutor. He's the one killing me. He goes, give him a chance. Now, that's all ad lib, Okay. <laughs> All right, if you go looking for giving him a chance in Scripture, you're going, all right, this is so you guys, so I can entertain you, okay? <laughs> no, that's what he says. Modern lingo, thank you, sir. Okay? And Barnabas is a great second chance giver guy. Give him a second chance. Paul says no. Now, you're back in Acts 15. Watch verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed. 
being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. And from Acts 16 on, you do not see Barnabas again on the pages of the book of Acts. You do not see Barnabas mentioned again in Paul's epistles. By the way, if you want to know what Paul's doing in Acts, don't read Acts. Go read his epistles he wrote during that time. He'll tell you why he's doing them. Okay? Luke is just recording the events. And the purpose of Acts also, by the way, is not to give you a history lesson of the beginning of the body of Christ. It is to tell you of a written indictment against God Almighty, against his nation, for rejecting the little flock in their ministry, and then rejecting the Apostle Paul as he goes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. They rejected Paul. They rejected Peter. They killed James, the Apostle James. And then they go after Paul to kill him. Eventually they get him. Okay? So see, Acts isn't a history lesson. If it is, it's, it's chronologically, it's a mess then. <laughs> okay? From Acts 9 to 13, like five years, six years flow through there. You know, in just a couple chapters. Anyway, I can get off on all that. Notice the contention is what? So sharp. These guys have a major league blowout. By the way, none of this is about doctrine. Isn't that amazing? You, you know what's wonderful about this event here? Is you see the humanity of Paul. Paul say, oh, you guys believe Paul was a perfect guy. Says who? He's got a, he's got a major blowout about taking a guy on the trip with him. Do you think they disagreed? Well, a little bit. Barnabas says, second chance, let's go. Paul says... That guy is not stepping foot on my boat. And if you don't like it, hit the road, Jack, and don't you ever come back no more. You see, it was a sharp contention. A clash of wills here. Nothing doctrine in the statement. Okay? This is opinions. This is personalities. They have a sharp contention between them. I think about the local assembly. Sometimes we kind of have that here. We have opinions. I can remember at Shorewood, I grew up there, I remember a lot, and they had a big argument about the drapes and the, the things that are going to hang on the wall. And you know what happens? One side of the room said they have to be this, the other side says we don't need anything up there, everything's good to go. So what do you got? You got drapes on one side, yeah. <laughs> no, what do you have? You get this big contention, right? So usually what happens in a contention is somebody says, well, then I'm out of here and I leave. And I'll tell you what, folks, in a minute as we go down through this, that is, that is the immature answer, okay? To over an opinion, a disagreement on opinion. Disagreement on doctrine is different. I got that. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But a difference in opinion and a want, and, and I think it should be this way as far as non-doctrinal issues. Most people, you know what they do? They fold up camp and they, run, they leave. I didn't get what? My way. <laughs> and off they take off. And again, that's, that's, a show of, that's a show of immaturity in the local assembly. And the reason is, is because of what happens here in verse 40. Because you'll notice something here in verse 40. By the way, in verse 39, 
And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder from one another. What did they agree to do? Separate. This is, a, again, I'm going to say it a thousand times, non-doctrinal issue here. And what did they agree to do? Separate. You know what Paul says? Barnabas, you do your ministry your way. I'm going to go do my ministry how I think that ought to be done. Isn't that interesting? They separate out. Barnabas goes one direction. Paul goes the other way. But watch verse 40. I'm sorry, Paul, uh, verse 39, Barnabas, Lee, uh, he takes Mark and goes. Paul takes his Silas. This conflict, by the way, is unexpected. It just, they just had had that great meeting at Jerusalem. You know, when you have a good meeting and so forth, you're usually on cloud nine for a while. You got, you're on the jazz, you're going, you're on the juice, you're moving, you're, everything's good and up. And then all of a sudden, just this simple of who we're, who, who we're going to take with us on our return trip. And it just, ba-boom, blows up. They're torn asunder. Man, think about that. They departed asunder. One from, they're torn. They're, they clash. And I'll tell you what, these are a clash of titans here. This is the Apostle Paul. And, by the way, the Apostle Barnabas. He's called an apostle in chapter 13, just FYI. He's not one of the 12, but he's an apostle. This is a clash of of. of Key people. But yet, watch verse 40. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Notice the guys there at Antioch, what did they do? First of all, what did they not do? They didn't say, Paul, you're right, Barnabas, you're wrong. They didn't say, Barnabas, you're wrong, you're right, and Paul, you're wrong. They don't take sides to the matter. The leadership. Rather, they tell Paul and Barnabas, let's allow grace to work in this. Being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. It's going to take grace, Paul, for you to get over this. It's going to take grace for you to work and get beyond this what you perceive to be a tragic injustice. It's going to take grace to move this along for you. And by the way, Paul, in grace, you know what you don't do in grace? You don't sit in the parking lot and throw stones at the building. You know what that means? If you're leaving, leave. Go. Don't shoot nuclear scud missiles at the guy. Now think about in our parlay today. Don't get on Facebook and talk bad about him. You're not supposed to speak evil of any man, the verse says. You see, when you're going to go, go and be gone. See, that's what he's talking Paul, if you're going to go on and do ministry, go into the ministry and do it. Don't spend the rest of your life taking shots at Barnabas. And by the way, Barnabas, you too. Get over it. Move on with the ministry. In the disagreement here, you know what they had to do? They had to agree. They agreed to separate. They agreed to move on. You think about today and what's happening in our country today. Do you wear a mask or don't you wear a mask? 
Are you going to take the vaccine or don't take the vaccine? Do you know in this local assembly right here, we have different opinions on that? If I said, I'm not going to take the vaccine, and you say you're going to take the vaccine, what do we have to agree to do? Disagree. It's a non-doctrinal issue. It's an doc- issue of what? Preference, opinion, how you think about it. You follow that? So in a local assembly, guess what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to disagree agreeably. But how do we do that? It's by what? By the grace of God. So you have to think about some of this, again, in disagreeing, <laughs> in the disagreement. First of all, you need to leave room. I need to leave room. We all need to leave room for, for an opposing viewpoint. And let me say, a legitimate opposing viewpoint. Not just a viewpoint, but a legitimate. You, you, you're not always right. I'm sorry. I'm not always right. We don't always have, I know, that's a shocker, isn't it? Woo. Not, that's not, okay, thank you, Greg. Greg keeps me humble, okay? You don't, we don't all have the same viewpoint about things, do we? How many of you like black cars? How many of you like white cars? How many, uh, how many of you like red cars? How many of you like yellow cars? How many care? How many don't care? Okay. The whole room, by the way. Okay. See, but we all have different opinions, don't we? I'm drooling over here in a paint color for my old truck, and I'm like, ooh, that's so pretty. And then I go, oh, wow, that's, well, I want to keep it real. You know, well, whoop-de-doo. You know, you die, you're going to leave it behind anyway. I got kids fighting over who gets the old truck. You know, not really, but one day maybe. When, it, when all the pieces go back together, okay, you know. You see, folks, think about Barnabas here. He, Acts 9, he comes on board. He's a relative of, of Saul of Tarsus. He's with Paul. He's been out introducing him. He's been working with him. He was, he, he was out there looking out for John Mark here, thinking it was a great second chance opportunity. And then Paul just says what? No. No, because you know what happened? Back over there, right in the middle of ministry, right in the middle when we needed the help, he bailed. He wasn't faithful. Can't depend on him. Barnabas says, yeah, okay, I got that, but you know what? We need to restore him. We need to help him. We need to be there. And Paul says what? No. No. So you got a legitimate difference of opinion, don't you? It's an honest difference of opinion. By the way, in Paul in 2 Timothy 4, you know what he says about old John Mark? He's profitable now. Oh, so Barnabas was right. You can't say that. See, looking back, you can't say that. In the moment, you had two legitimate opposing viewpoints. That doesn't always mean you're right or wrong. And again, what usually happens is, is when people don't get their way, you know what they do? They leave. And that's wrong. What's the recommendation here? Let's let grace work. Where is Paul, where are you and I going to be able to allow grace to work in our disagreements? It's right here in the local assembly. I'm sorry, but this cannot be done over Facebook. It can't. It can't be done over 
YouTube or internet or any of that. It's, this is designed to be done here. Colossians. Oh, I told you I was trying to stand in one book today. Look at Colossians 3. I was reading some of my old prep and delivery notes about some stuff, and they're like, don't, don't run too many verses. And I'm like, that was dad in the 80s. And if you listen to dad in the 80s, you think I run a lot of verses. He's like two to one to me. Okay, look at Colossians 3. Look at verse 13. Colossians 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Are you going to fight? Are we going to have a difference of opinions? Yes. Okay? So, but what are we to do? Forbear and what? Forgive. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You see, in our relationships with one another, what are we going to do? We're going to have legitimate differences of opinion. You're going to have them. What do we do? We allow grace to work. We come in and we say, let's let grace come in and be the issue of forgiveness. The issue of, I don't have to have it my way, you know? And let's work towards an amicable solution. You see, folks, the recommendation here by the elders at Antioch was to let grace be what drives the scenario now. They've already decided to separate. By the way, you know what that means? Sometimes the best solution is to separate. Oh, no, we ought to be keeping the unity of the Spirit. You know, Paul and Barnabas didn't do that. They separated. Well, don't you know, folks, you never sacrifice doctrine on the altar of unity. Paul says, don't you ever do that. Romans 16 Philippians 2, man, he just says, don't you do that. He looks at Timothy, and he looks at Titus, and he says, you go in there, you, to Titus, actually, you set the things in his word, and you shut up the mouths of, that, of those guys that are withstanding what, I'm, what I told you to go do. Shut the mouths of the circumcision, he calls it. He's not talking about the circumcision as a, he's talking about religion, he says, don't you cave to that mess. Your job as a leader, as a pastor, as a, is to go in there and shut it down, man. Don't even let it in the front door. That's why he talks about silly women. Not that <laughs> because how does, how does Satan work to get into the local assembly? How did he work with Adam and Eve? He worked through, through Eve. How's he going to work to get into a local assembly to sow discord? He's going to work through the women. Nothing wrong with the women. It's just how he works. So Paul says, man, you get in there and you... But you know what? Sometimes the best thing to do is to separate. Then that's what happened here. And you know what? There's not a verse here in Acts 15 that says God reached down out of heaven, sent a lightning bolt, and struck either one of them down dead. He says, it's what? It's okay. Go ahead and do that. Just don't assassinate each other. Leave. Just leave, separate out. The situation here between Paul and Barnabas had gotten so bad that separation was the agreeable outcome. And again, this isn't doctrinal. This is opinions and, and things how you think you ought to do it. It's fascinating. Uh, I've grown up in this message. Dad being a pastor, I've seen a lot of fights it's called church politic. I call it fights. 
and I'll say, and I'll see something, and I'll go, you know what? If I let that go, more than likely it's going to go here because I've seen it happen before. After 20-something years of doing ministry here, guess what? We've been there, done some of this. So it's what? Step in and say no. And I've been called every name in the book because I've done that. And people have left because I've stepped in and said, no, you're not going to do that. Why? My job as your pastor is to protect. It's my job. It's to take the heat. That's what, the, that's what these leadership leaders are doing. They're taking the heat. They're turning the heat off in the argument and saying, look, it's good to go. Now, there's something else here in, in verse 40 that, is, that, that and under this issue of the grace, being recommended under the grace of God. And that's the practical application of grace. And I'll be honest with you, we, we're going to need to learn to disagree in grace and then press on. The things that are coming up against us from without, as I read that passage in Acts 20 to you last week, where the grievous wolves, they come in from inside and they, they're going to attack from the outside and the place of protection is right here in the local assembly. We're going to have things come up against us. And you know what we're going to have to do? Stand in it. Be the pillar in the ground of the truth. Hold up and say, you know what? And, and, and if we have difference of opinion, then guess what we have? Difference of opinion. But what are we going to do? We're going to press on to do the work of the ministry. We've got to have to learn to work it out and work with each other in grace. And the reason I say this is because, again, in this room, we've got varied opinions about things. The election. <laughs> or the non-election. Or the cheat. Or the steal. Or the insurrection. The sky's not blue. It's a light green, don't you know? By the way, it is light green because of my eyes. Tell I'm colorblind, though, see? <laughs> so... You see? Oh, it's this, it's that. Okay. See, we're going to have to sit there and do what? Say, you know what, it's not I, but Christ. You can have your opinion. Now, again, this is non-doctrinal issue. You can have your opinions. We can have the conversations and the discussions. We're going to have to disagree agreeably. And that's going to be the, that is really the principle of the application of grace to the situation of everyday life. You're just going to have to. And it may be, well, and, and by the way, forgiveness. How did Christ forgive you, that verse over there? Did he forgive you completely and totally? Or did he forgive you, hatch it halfway in and handle half out and we'll pull it and yank it again later? No, total. He doesn't reach down and say, yeah, you missed that one, turkey. He says, no, I took care of all of that. So how are we to be forgiving one another? Same way. Don't remember. I was, we were sitting there one year, and there was a big argument going on. I don't remember what it was. And a little lady got up, and she says, I remember 20 years ago when. And you could see my dad go, oh, 20 years ago. None of us were here 20 years ago. But you know what she had been remembering? The wrong for 20 years. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. What are we to do? We're to come in and apply grace to the situation. Think about grace. 
unconditional love. Key word, unconditional. Unconditional acceptance. Unconditional forgiveness. It's in grace that, you know what I'm free to accept? The fact that we have a difference of opinion. And that that difference doesn't make us hate or devalue one another, but rather that difference is what comes along and makes us able to work together in the work of the ministry. Because you know what? I have my ideas. I have my standards. You may look at the same thing and say, wait a minute, we could do this this way. And I may say, you know what? I never thought about it that way. Or I could say, no, we're doing it my way. Now, which way is right? Hey, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> and you move on. We have to allow God's grace to be the operating mechanism in the middle of the argument. And again, this can only happen in a local church setting. Come over with me to Galatians 2. This is, again, only when doctrine is not the issue. In Acts 15, doctrine is not on the table, okay? When doctrine is the issue, let's talk about that, Galatians 2. When doctrine is the issue, there becomes a completely different way to handle it. Okay, you got Galatians 2, go to Galatians 6. Just go there. Galatians 6, verse 1. When you come to Paul's epistles and there is a doctrinal disagreement... Romans 16, he says over there, he says, well, look at Galatians 6. Oh, man. Let me just read Romans 16, 17 to you, okay? Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. That's very specific. Doctrine, contrary to what you've learned. What have you learned in Romans 1 to 16? You're a no good, dirty, rotten sinner. You needed Calvary to be justified. Once you're justified, this is who you are in Christ. You are not the body of, of uh, you are not the nation of Israel. You are the body of Christ. And here's how you're going to live. Grace is going to live out in your life. So if you've got something that's walking contrary to that, what are you to do? Avoid it. Mark it. Avoid it. In Philippians, he says, mark us who are your ensamples of how you ought to be walking in, in Christ. It's fascinating. People get all upset. In, in Thessalonians, the great chapter about our rapture, the, what we call the rapture, our catching together, in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, he gives integral details of all of the events. At the end, you know what he says? Mark and avoid those that walk contrary to this epistle. So if you've got a problem with our hope and the rapture and an event in the rapture, guess what I'm supposed to do to you if you're walking contrary to the doctrine? You see, this is not a, just a broad stroke shot. This is not a difference of opinion. It's a what? It's a walking against the doctrine. Now look at Galatians 6 and verse 1. But how you do it, how you mark and avoid and move away, it's very touching. It's very endearing here. Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, 
restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. It doesn't say, if you don't believe what I believe, get out of here. It doesn't say being argumentative. It doesn't say any. It says what? Meekness. Why? Why would he say meekness? Finish the verse. Considering thyself, lest thou also be what? You know what happens when someone's overtaken in a fault, spiritually speaking, doctrine here, which at Galatia they were. Now come to chapter 2. At Galatia they were overtaken in bad doctrine. They had chapter 1 left the apostle Paul to another gospel. They have been mixing law and grace. They have completely got away from the application of grace in Romans 6 and Romans 7 in their assembly. You know what Paul does? He bends them over the chair like a scalding baby and paddles there behind. He's not happy with them. And he says, listen, if you're overtaken in a fault, how would you like to be treated? I'd like a little mercy and a little meekness. But you need to consider yourself because sometimes when we get into the doctrine and we see error, we kind of get a little, we got it right and you got it wrong. And Paul says, no. By the way, this marking and avoiding thing is only done in a local assembly. He says, remove so-and-so, 1 Corinthians 5. Turn him over for the destruction of the flesh. Well, I, I think about that. Wait a minute. How, what, how in the world would that be? How would he turn? He, he talks in Timothy about getting rid of those guys and turning them over to Satan. So, Why? What do you and I enjoy in the local assembly? Fellowship. And if I come along and say, hey, look, we're not going to have fellowship with so-and-so now. What does that, what's the intent of that? It's to come along and say, hey, look, you can't be a part of the fellowship. You follow that? You with me? Okay, Galatians 2. I'll be done here. So doctrinally, Paul is very clear. The attitude of the marking and avoiding is to be done with meekness, and it's to be done very carefully. It's not to be rushed into. There's some meetings. There's some judgments. There's all these steps. But I want you to see something in Galatians 2, because we just read in Acts 15, after that meeting, they, Paul and Barnabas go back to um, Antioch. They have a big blow-up over a issue with a, a family, uh, you know, a difference of opinion. Okay? Some people say that John Mark was a family member of Barnabas. I don't know how you figure that out, so I don't really say that, but if you do, fine. But watch in, Second P, watch in Galatians 2. Go down, if you will, verse... Helps to be in Galatians 2, doesn't it, Rick? Verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, so wait a minute, Paul and Barnabas go to Antioch, they got the guys with them. Who shows up now? Peter does. I withstood him to the face because he was blamed. Whoa. By the way, this was not privately done behind closed doors. This was publicly out in front of everybody. Why was Peter to be blamed? Peter's the chief apostle. Well, what had ha what's happened back up here in verse 9? They gave the right hands of fellowship, didn't it? Peter loosed himself from his apostleship, bound himself to Paul, now being the new apostle. Watch what he says in verse 12. For before that certain came from who? 
Isn't that interesting? Because over there in Acts 20, 21, 22, James has cranked up the religious system again in Israel. Paul goes down there with the poor saint uh, for the offering to the poor saints, and James says, hey, come over here. I need you to see how many thousands of Jews are now zealous of the law. James has violated the agreement. Verse 12, he did eat, by the way, came from James. Where was James, do you remember? At Jerusalem, the church there at Jerusalem. He did eat with the Gentiles. What is Peter doing? Peter has he's perceived the grace that was given to Paul. He says, yep, that's it right there. So he goes over now. By the way, he's had an event with Cornelius that he already knows not to call what God called unclean Call it unclean, calls it clean now. So Peter goes down, sits down with uh, the boys, has a pulled pork ham sandwich with them, sitting there enjoying it, eating with them, and then look who showed up. But when they were come, so the religious crowd showed up, what did he do? He got intimidated. And what did he do? He withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Isn't that in, and I look at that and I go, you dirty, rotten rascal. Here is Peter, the guy who carries a lot of clout in this ring. And you know what he did? He understood what Paul was all about, doctrinally. And rather than standing up and saying what he says in Acts 15, that yes, this is true, he gets over there and he feared the religious crowd and he ran. And you know what Paul says? I withstood him. I rebuked him to his face because he was wrong. Because you know what happened? Watch verse 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. Peter's activity impacted every... Can you imagine? Think about this. You've got Jews and Gentiles sitting down, eating pulled pork and potato salad and coleslaw and having the sweet tea, and they're enjoying the day. And the religious crowd shows up and the leader gets up and moves away. It impacted everybody. Insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Notice Barnabas there. Now doctrinally what has happened to Barnabas? They've just had a big fight about John Mark and decided to separate. But now Barnabas is now what is he doing? He's falled for old Peter's hypocrisy, dissimulation. And he's now beginning to leave the doctrine as well. And you know what Paul says? Peter's the blame. Peter. I nail Peter. Peter came to Antioch. He caused a doctrinal problem. And you know what? Paul wasn't putting up with it. We just had a great meeting, Pete. Come on, man. What's your... But Peter has caved to the hierarchy. Verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Notice what Paul's issue was. Wasn't Peter, wasn't a personal thing with Barnabas here. It wasn't a personal issue with anybody in the audience. He says what, verse 14, what did they fail to do? Walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. I said unto Peter, before them all, 
If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Boy, just Paul just nails him right between the eyes on a doctrinal issue. Peter, chapter 3, verse 28. Peter, you know today that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Peter, you know that's the message. I just told you that was the message, and now you're over here dividing up the group again. You're wrong. So doctrinally, it's a little different, isn't it? That's my point. But when it comes to difference of opinions, legitimate differences, honest differences, not doctrine, but honest differences, you know what we have to do? We have to de decide to deal with each other graciously. We have to de decide that we're going to disagree agreeably. I have my standards. You have yours, by the way. Mine are high. But I had to learn a long time ago as a leader, pastor, not to hold you to my expectations. I had a guy one time tell me, no expectations, no disappointments. And I was like, wow, okay. Never thought about that. Now, I have expectations of all of you, don't get me wrong. But they're not what I hold myself to. So when we have a difference of opinion about things, we're not going to run, I'm going to get my way, and we're going to do what? Work it out figure it out, disagree agreeably. When it comes to doctrine, if we're going to be the pillar and the ground of the truth, then guess what happens? When the doctrinal issues hit the fan, then we got to stand and deal with that. You follow that? My job as your pastor, you come, you're part of here. Somebody asked me one time years ago, do you have a membership role? I said, yes, yeah, the directory. <laughs> Uh, you, know, we, you know, membership class and all that stuff, you can have it. There's nothing wrong with it. People do it. We just decided years ago not to have that. If you're in Christ, saved by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in the body of Christ, then what are you? You're a good member here, okay? Come, learn, who will have all men to be saved, and come to the knowledge of the truth. By the way, you can't come to the knowledge of the truth listening to lies. Just can't happen, Okay? So what happens is, is as your pastor, you come, you're part of us, you have said, Rick, you're my pastor. That's what you have said. My job is to teach the truth of the word of God rightly divided as accurately as I am able to. And to live and model as best I can a lifestyle that pleases God and demonstrates his grace. And that then allows others the freedom to respond to God's grace by faith. That's my job. But guess what? It's yours too. So when I look at myself and what I do here with you guys, I had to, <laughs> I read it to you. It flows through my brain all the time. Let's have a worthy walk. Sometimes that starts with just disagreeing agreeably. We got a lot of stuff coming our way this year, folks. You thought 2020 was bad. 21's going to be a little worse. So you're going to have to decide within yourself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to deal with each other graciously. I had a lady ask me the other day, Rick, would you take the vaccine? 
And I told her, I said, honestly, I don't know enough about it to say yay or nay. She goes, well, I've been reading. I said, okay, there we go. And I said, well, tell me what, what does your doctor say? And he says, he said, don't take it. I said, then I wouldn't take it. What does your doctor say? Take it. Then maybe I might consider taking it. Maybe not. That's your decision. You decide to, great. I decide not to, great. It's okay. I don't know what the ladies did, but she asked me and I told her. <laughs> I would ask what my doctor said. What's my doctor think? Because some doctors think what? Yes, do it. No, don't do it. Some say do mass, don't. But you are comfortable with who? Your doctor. You have differences of, of opinion politically, economically. I'm going to recommend to you the grace of God in those subject matters. Doctrinally, different game. We'll, 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 we will go to battle over doctrine, especially fundamental doctrines. But when you look over and you begin to see how Paul and Barnabas, they separated that's not usually the first place to go. <laughs> Let's work it out. Because what are we? We're a living laboratory of the grace life, aren't we? We're not all perfect. We're, I mean, we're perfect in Christ, but we still got that old man that shows his head every now and then. I ain't got to work down through that. You guys follow that? So let's dis how to disagree agreeably? Apply grace to the situation. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for everything that we have in your Son. And Lord, I just pray that our focus as the year comes, as the rest of the days of our lives happen, that our focus would be on a worthy walk for thee, for learning who we are in you, and then going and applying that to the details of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.